Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on all of us. Be the midwife of the word today so that the word may be reborn in our hearts afresh. Renew us, revive us, draw us closer to your coming. In Christ's name, amen. If I say the word spirit, you may think breath, wind, fire, creation, trinity, God, Pentecost, Pentecostal, tongues, upper room, the book of Acts, dancing, clapping, silence, prayer, baptism, water, community, alcohol, or even airlines. That one word, spirit, brings many images to mind, doesn't it? I wonder if what the prophet Isaiah mentions comes to mind for us when we think about spirit. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Do we associate the spirit with these people, the oppressed, the brokenhearted, the captives, the prisoners, and those mourning? How appropriate to hear during this season in particular about those who mourn lest we forget, those who endure grief during this Advent season over the loss of loved ones and not so good memories during this season, but the spirit never forgets them. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and anointed me. That sounds good. He has sent me. Okay, I get that because God sends Duke students on spring break mission trips through the chapel. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to comfort all who mourn. I get God sending people on a mission, but notice to whom the Spirit sends us. The oppressed, the brokenhearted, the captive, the prisoners, those who mourn. Life was hard in that historical context for the people who had endured Babylonian exile and, and now it seemed as if their hopes were dashed because life wasn't what they had imagined post-exile. It wasn't a grand homecoming party for them. They were still in pain. And what we might observe is that the spirit resides in, or at least the spirit sends us to the place of pain where the people are in pain. Remember at the beginning of creation, how the spirit was present when darkness covered the face of the deep and there was a void? Remember how at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, even when he is full of the Spirit, the Spirit leads him into the wilderness to be tempted? 
Remember that it's how the Spirit is the one who leads Ezekiel into a valley of dry bones, dem bones, dem bones, dem dry bones. It's as if Isaiah gives us a glimpse of God's social imagination for ministry with his focus on the suffering ones, the oppressed, the brokenhearted, the captives, the prisoners, the mourning. The spirit, to use the phrase of writer Toni Morrison, centers on the hurt of the hurt world. Even when Jesus begins his ministry, these words of Isaiah that we hear ringing in our ears this morning are a part of his stump speech in the spirit. They reveal the priorities of his princely and powerful presence in the world. The spirit appears to specialize in ministry among those whose backs are against the wall, or at least those who are imprisoned by confining walls. I mean, in terms of modern day prisons, a historian of CIA secret prison experiments in interrogation techniques reminds us if subjects are confined without light, odor, sound, or any fixed references of time or place, very deep breakdowns can be provoked. And it is precisely there, at the broken moments of broken people in broken spaces where the spirit breaks in and does ministry. In fact, the spirit breaks our brokenness. We find God most often with the wretched refuse or the wretched of the earth. God, the Spirit, sends us to them, to those no one else wants to encounter, to those on the borders, to those outside of our pristine neighborhoods. You know those people, don't you? God chooses those who are foolish and those who are weak, those who are low and despised in the world. God chooses those, the oppressed, the brokenhearted, the captives, the prisoners, those mourning. This is the church's mission in the power of the spirit because the spirit moves us in that direction. I mean, why does the spirit work on behalf of those on the underside of life, the hurt of the hurt world. Why such a focus on the suffering ones? It may be because this is who God is in God's own self. I was hungry. I was thirsty. I was a stranger. I was naked. I was sick. I was in prison. I was oppressed, I was brokenhearted, I was captive, I mourned. The Spirit prioritizes people in pain because God is a crucified God who is acquainted with human grief, sorrow, and suffering. It's not just that the Spirit ministers to these people, but that the Christ, the Anointed One, Jesus, is actually one of them. That's who comes to us this Advent season. And the ministry of the Spirit is intertwined with who God is, tied to God's nature. And it's a focus that should give us pause this Advent. As we bask, many of us, in the consumeristic glory of presence and shopping, the coming 
or the mission of the Messiah really has nothing to do with wrapped gifts. But it has everything to do with a ministry to, with, and for those on the margins, those in East L.A. or East Harlem or East Durham. As Christians, when we think theologically, and, and, and I mean by that, when we think about God, we should be thinking at the margins. And when we do theological work, I mean Christian mission, we should engage the margins, being with and for those on the margins. Without that focus, without this distinct ministry of the Spirit, it may be a sign that we are without the fullness of God's love in our hearts. Without this focus, without this particular ministry of the Spirit, we may be following institutional Christianity, but not necessarily the Christ of anointed ministry. This is why throughout church history you'll find ministers and theologians making a distinction between Christianity and the religion of Jesus. We may be losing touch with the Spirit of God if we shy away from the oppressed, the brokenhearted, the captives, the prisoners, the mourning, because this is the primary mission of God in the world, a revelation of the embodied life in the Spirit. And so it behooves us to be careful how we think and talk about those on the margins of society as we hopefully avoid dehumanizing insults. We don't want to become uh, and have a relationship with the other, like the historic relationship between Lady Astor, the first female member of the British Parliament to take her seat, and Winston Churchill. If you aren't familiar with their interactions, let me give you an example. Once Lady Astor told Churchill, if you were my husband, I would give you poison to drink. And he responded, if I were your husband, I would gladly drink it. I mean, this isn't how we want to interact with the other, especially those who are hurting. Right? Take a spiritual inventory and ask yourself, am I out of touch with the hurt of the hurt world? Do we ever consider those who feel like a caged panther's anguish? to whom it seems to him there are a thousand bars and behind the bars, no world? Are we in touch with the tortured and the tormented, those who are imprisoned physically, emotionally, mentally? We may not be, but Isaiah reminds us that the spirit is. If we lose touch with the margins, we have lost touch with the heart of God. He has sent me to bring good news. I mean, the Spirit moves and sends us toward those torn apart, just as Jesus moves toward a cross. His ministry is proximate to pain, not detached from it. In the ministry of the Spirit, God prioritizes the places of and people in pain. There's no way around it if we are following Jesus. Because the God we serve in Jesus Christ, the God we are anticipating this Advent was not of a privileged class. He was a poor migrant, a marginal figure, 
yet he was anointed the Messiah. The spirit moves toward the hurting in order to restore hope and healing. And it is an outward movement outside of ourselves towards those suffering. This is the way of the spirit. Many nonprofit organizations may actually be doing the work of the spirit without even claiming the spirit because their service focuses on the oppressed, the brokenhearted, the captives, the prisoners, the mourning. This isn't purely social services. This is the ministry of the spirit. When I was an undergraduate student over 20 years ago, in other words, when I was six years old, I was an exploration in ministry fellow, similar to our Pathways Fellows program, but during the summer through Memorial Church at Stanford University. And the fellowship paired me with a local nonprofit in East Palo Alto. I was placed in an organization that focused on drug and alcohol rehabilitation. And that particular summer, I was assigned um, a father of the streets. His name was Prince, who worked as an outreach coordinator for that organization. Everyone in the surrounding area knew Prince. And he was a respected leader in the community. People knew him by his first name, and he seemed to know everybody by their first name. In the past, Prince was a dope dealer, but became one of the success stories of that particular organization and in the community because he had been delivered from drug addiction. Prince showed me around EPA, as we called it, around that neighborhood. And as long as I was with Prince, I was in good hands. Prince seemed to never flinch from fear of another human being. And this became very clear to me one day as we were walking the, the streets of this neighborhood and he was going to take me to visit one of his friends. I soon came to realize that we were walking to a crack house. And when we arrived, everyone greeted Prince. I was by his side. He walked straight into the house and I was with him over to his friend who was sitting on a bed. This gentleman, his friend, was addicted to crack cocaine and was killing himself. He was, as they would say, thin as a rail. Prince just went into the house to check in on his friend. He was like a local church minister visiting the sick and shut-in. Prince affirmed that man's dignity as a human being, even while the crack cocaine was stripping this man of his life. But Prince refused to de dehumanize him and release him to the caged panthers. Prince went to him, not away from him, toward the suffering one who was in pain. He leaned in love toward the oppressed, the captive, and he saw him as human. Pastor Eugene Cho says, when we forget the humanity of others, we end up reducing people into projects, and God never intended people to be the church's projects. Prince's friend clearly was not a project for him, but a person who wasn't well. So the question is, how do we treat those who aren't well, who are captive 
in some way? How do we treat those who are poor through our policies and protocols and personalities? Do we live lives that avoid the outcasts and those suffering? Do we construct our daily existence in such a way that we are out of touch with the untouchables and by doing so lose touch with the mission of God? I raise these questions for us as we ponder what it means to be anointed by the Spirit and engage in the ministry of the Spirit. I say this because the one who was anointed by the Spirit, the coming God, the one who says the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, privileges places of and people in pain. And if we are children of God, what does that mean for us? The promise and the hope is that this work of bringing good news, binding up, proclaiming liberty, releasing, comforting others brings transformation. Because the Spirit never leaves anyone the same. God transforms the lives of those on the margins, as we heard read, giving garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. What the Spirit does is restore joy, hope, healing, freedom, righteousness to people who once knew only suffering. To proclaim liberty is linked in that historical context to the, the year of Jubilee, and, and during that year, all debts would be forgiven. Property and people held as payment for debt would be able to return home, celebrate, go back home safely and with gladness. And so what we see is how the Spirit, the ministry of the Spirit, moves us from Egypt to a promised land, from crucifixion to a resurrection, from mourning to gladness, restoring the original joy of the Garden of Eden, the glory of the beginning when God said it was good. And though the Spirit ministers to the hurt of the hurt world, the advent promise of God is that sorrow, oppression, brokenheartedness, captivity, imprisonment, and mourning are not infinite. Pain is not eternal, but praise is. Ashes will vanish and be replaced by hymn sings from the very people we thought had nothing to sing about. Because in the spirit, names like outcasts become oaks of righteousness. And in the spirit, the supposed God-forsaken ones are the ones revealing the glory of God. You can never count anyone out because you can never count God out. The spirit redeems and restores people so that they can return home without regrets and debts to be paid. They can go home and finally be free. And what I love is that those who may have been counted out are the very ones the community has to count on to rebuild the society and all that was destroyed. The deemed outcasts in this vision are needed and critical to rebuild a broken society because it was their absence that devastated the community in the first place. It's remarkable that the oppressed, the captive, brokenhearted, the prisoner, the mourning, the one suffering 
end up doing what God did for them. They shall build up the ancient ruins and they shall raise up the former devastations, and they shall repair the broken cities and the devastations of many generations. They are the ones that the community has been waiting for to help them become whole again. Because for without that one, that one lost community member, that son or lost son or lost daughter, we cannot be one. We cannot be whole, and we will remain ruined. But the Spirit works in such mysterious ways that those whose lives were ruined now were the ones repairing the ruins. And those whose lives were devastated now were the ones repairing the devastations because they'd been touched by the Spirit and so became the agents of transformation. The Spirit ministered to them so that they could be ministers to us. Sometimes we may think that the least of these among us are the objects of ministry rather than subjects, human beings. But what the Spirit reveals is that those whom we think we are ministering to may be ministering to us without our even knowing it. We need them because the Spirit is working through them to restore us, to rebuild us. God uses the margins, perhaps to convert us, literally to turn us to the Spirit's way of doing ministry, to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to release to the prisoners and comfort to all who mourn. This is the spirit ministry of the spirit. So will you join me this Advent in this ministry? In the classic TV series, MASH, set in a mobile army hospital during the Korean War, doctors received many patients but there was one patient who came who believed he was Jesus Christ. Arnold Chandler was his name and he had been a bombardier in an airplane and dropped many bombs on many people. And because of the trauma of it all, eventually his mind snapped. And he decided that he was no longer a man named Arnold Chandler. He was Christ the Lord. This appeared to be a mental condition that would require a lot of therapy. And so a psychiatrist eventually came and approached this man at the hospital and told him, you say you are Christ. And yet here you are in an army hospital in the middle of a war. What could Jesus be doing here? With tears streaming down his face, the supposed mentally ill man replied with these words, I am Christ the Lord. Where else should I be? These are my children. Tear stained Jesus Christ in a wilderness of war among the oppressed, the brokenhearted, the captives, the prisoners, and all who mourn. Tear-stained Jesus, 
and the power of the Spirit is among us. For the Spirit of the Lord is upon him, and he has been anointed to come to us. And he's coming to you even now. May we have eyes to see and ears to hear wherever tear-stained Jesus may be found. Amen.